0: Hello there! Welcome to the International Business Podcast. I'm your host, Leonardo Marra. But let's make it simple and just call me Leo. In this podcast, I share my experiences and interview international professionals to draw lessons from the real life stories. Coming up on today's episode
1: After a while, I thought if I'm the only young guy in my town studying this language, this must be an advantage for my future, for my professional life. I was already thinking about what can I do? What could my job look like in the future? So when I came to university, I had to choose a university that offers Chinese as a main subject.
2: And that's what I want to do all my life. I want to dream and build planners and doers. And this is how the podcast comes in because I get so much new inspirations from other people, from guests,
0: Patrick and Francis co-host the China Flexpat Podcast. Their mission is to provide a platform for flexpats to share their knowledge and experience on pursuing a career in China. You know what an expat is, but what is a flexpat? Listen to this episode to find out. And is there a better way than listening to the founders of the show to understand this concept? In the description, you can find links to their LinkedIn profiles and to their podcast. Now, let's get to it. Hi, Patrick. Hi, Francis. I'm glad to have you on. Welcome to the International Business Podcast.
1: Hello, Leo. Thank you so much for having us. It's exciting, and I'm looking forward to this.
2: Thank you, Leo. Thank you for having us.
0: So, Patrick, I would like to start with you. i like to give a very simple definition to, let's say, more complex or complicated things. What is a podcast? Everybody's talking about podcast, podcasting, but lots of people have no idea what is that. So, What is podcasting and why is it a useful uh, learning platform for people?
1: All right. I think it's a quite new term. Myself, I just uh, discovered podcasts a couple of years ago. And I think it's just an online show. It can be long. It can be short. Usually, people talk a lot. Uh, You can learn things. And for me, podcasting is a great platform for learning because... You can choose when you want to listen to something. You can do it while you're doing, for example, ironing at home, while you are on your commute to work. You can really use it to use your time more effectively to learn new things.
0: And Francis, so you and Patrick, you are running a show together. So you co-host the China FlexPath podcast. What is the meaning of the word FlexPath? Because I guess this is a new word. Everybody knows what an expat is. So what is the difference between an expat and a flexpat?
2: I was asked this question so many times in the last six months. It's uh, crazy. So you know expat, of course, and you know flexible. An expat typically is not so flexible because his assignment is based on one company. So the company is sending him or her to China. Then the uh, assignment will be three years, five years. And typically the company is taking care of everything. But they're not really flexible. So unless the company um, is taking care of everything, if there's any real problem, if they want to leave the company, they more or less have to go home. So they're not very flexible. Now, what you see in China now is lots of people that have flexible jobs. So they came to China a long time ago and they decide to reside here and they take jobs wherever they get a good assignment. And they still call themselves expats. Sometimes they call themselves local hires. I heard about this word a couple of years ago in job assignments where they were especially looking for people that are in China already and are ready to work in an expert similar role. And they call this flex pet. And I kind of had a job in the past that was similar to that and I was surrounded by expats and I told them that I'm a flexpat. There are so many people who don't know how to call themselves, so let's call them flexpats. So both of you are,
0: let's say, deeply in love or at least, you know, they have a special affection for China. But I wanted to ask you first, Patrick, where does your affection for China come from?
1: I think 10 years ago, I already loved learning foreign languages. At that time, it was only English, but I loved it. And then I wanted to expand that a little bit, and I went to my local community college in my little town, and they offered a Chinese course. And there was a lovely lady from Taiwan teaching Chinese. And first day I joined that class, there were 10 people, but I was the only person under the age of 65, I think. So... <laughs> there were many uh, retired people who used to work in China, but they never got the chance to learn the language. And there were just some other retired people who wanted to have some fun and learn something new. After a while, I thought, if I'm the only young guy in my town studying this language, this must be an advantage for my future, for my professional life. I was already thinking about what can I do? What could my job look like in the future? So. When I came to university, I had to choose a university that offers Chinese as a main subject. And I found a nice university. They offer Chinese and I, I stuck with it. I fell in love with the language. And with the language comes the knowledge about culture, about the people, about the country itself. It has been an ongoing process until today.
0: And what was your motivation to join Francis and build the China Flexpad podcast?
1: I've been living in China for two years, but a while ago, I moved back to Germany to start my family with my wife, and now I have a kid. I don't have the, the chance at the moment to really work and live in China as I, as I really want. China FlexPad podcast together with Francis gave me the opportunity to stay in touch with China and to stay in touch with people who also love China, and I couldn't have experienced this without this project. Therefore, I'm also very thankful to Francis that he just approached me one day and asked asked me, Patrick, let's try it. I think we we made a great team and now we are 26 episodes in the show. I'm really glad we, we started that. And
0: Francis, I would like to go back to the Flexpat concept. So what kind of jobs can they find but more importantly, what are the skills? What kind of skills do they need to succeed?
2: Leo, this question is not so easy because if you ask one FlexPet and another FlexPet, they will be at different industries and they have totally different skill sets. So I still believe that a successful FlexPet finding a good career in China needs to have a track record of successful work experience at home of at least five years. But I am an old guy, And I've had that. So I'm sure there will be other people who don't want to wait for five years before they come to China. But I still recommend everybody to get a career as an engineer, as a sales guy, as a marketing guy, as an architect, as a doctor, as a pilot. I don't know. Have something that is not just business studies. You know, something that you can actually say, I did something, I achieved something, and I'm able to teach it. So what we have now is uh, that FlexPets that come into the podcast typically share their own story, how they made this. So there's lots of answers to this. And um, every guest is introducing what he or she is doing in China. So what kind of job they can do. So the skills are very different. Typically, you see that they have a very sharp profile. So we have business developers that have lots of experience with business development. And we also have engineers with lots of experience in engineering. So what's very clear is that this functional background has to be there. It's something that people need to be aware that they need to be very strong in their technical background or in their functional background. At the same time, there has to be a great love for China because if you're really willing to stay in China for a longer term and be local, flexible, it also means that your background is different from an expat. That means that you are able to provide a very good service to your employer like an expat, but you don't need the same kind of um, organization from your company that an expat would require, including, uh, you know, sending you to China, getting you back after three years and everything that's related to that. You have to have a very strong functional background, but also the flexibility that comes with making you more attractive an expat in that position. And that's something that is not easy to reach. The market is very small and I personally expect it to get different in the next couple of years. So the expats will be going down and the pet will be going up and this will get a lot of changes to the job market. So I'm very excited that uh, Patrick uh, joined me on this and, you know, made this so professional to take this knowledge to the market and to explain what you can actually do as a flex pet. And I'm sure that by now we even have lots of expats who listen to these episodes and learn about their own experience and what they sometimes they also share their stories. It's really cool. So you
0: mentioned that the job market in China will change, of course, but... I would like to pick up your brain and ask you, how will the job market change in China, specifically for Flexpad, And how could they, let's say, prepare for
2: these changes
0: that will come?
2: Well, generally, there's two big changes happening. First is what we consider is local Chinese workforce is getting much more professional. So there's less need for teaching kind of technology, kind of technology transfer kind of rules something that expat roles have been doing in the past 20 years. So they come here and explain, for example, how to do an SAP rollout in China. Now there's lots of Chinese can do this. So there's less need for that. Okay. And the other thing is that there is more young people like Patrick and I and you, Leo, who come here to China and work in China and are willing to do that without their company sending them here. So there will be more potential talents in China to choose from. You see that now with English teachers. So in the past, English teachers used to be kind of drawn into China. And now there's like a complete market, a very satisfied market of English teachers in China. And so there's a whole industry about this and they know how to search these people. So you will never get a school anymore who is going to pay you to come to China and do everything because they know they can source it in China. So this will happen for lots of jobs in the future in China. But it's still, you know, for me, I see my future in China and I really enjoy it. I think that it's gonna be a great chance for lots of young people who want to have this kind of life.
0: And Patrick, I would like to focus for a second on the guests that you had so far on the show. What opinions did they have so far in common, but also where do they differ? So I don't know, for instance, on language learning or required skills in China.
1: I've learned a lot from, from our guests and the results of of the episodes were actually surprising to me. I thought I know all people who work in China, but I, I didn't. For example, the opinions really went apart when it came to language learning. We have had guests that said it's not at all necessary to speak Chinese in order to have a successful life in China. To be honest, I was shocked when I first heard that because I, I've lived there for Okay, two years—that's not so long—but I could not imagine not speaking Chinese and not being able to communicate with the people around me, outside the office. But what I figured out is that the older generation of expats or expats—they made it without Chinese language skills. At the time, budgets for expats might have been larger, and they had special translators assigned to them who assisted them with everything. So life was okay for them. And maybe at the time they were so bound by, by their jobs, they were so involved in their work that maybe there wasn't so much time to really interact with the Chinese society. It was all about work. But now the younger generation of, of flexpats or expats even, they start to understand that speaking Chinese is important and it will get you further. Of course, without technical skills, you, you won't get far, but speaking Chinese is a must do in many people's opinions. However, where people agreed is that you need hard skills in China and it, it's not getting easier. If you're not some really professional person uh, with work experience in your home country, then you have nothing to add value in China and nobody wants you. That sounds brutal, Uh, But I hear that more and more.
0: So you're currently in uh, Germany, Patrick. But if you were to, let's say, to choose to come to China, what would you do to get a job here?
1: I think with the knowledge that I have today, I know that it became harder. It's tricky to get a job. So therefore, I would start small. What does small mean? For example, I would do an internship. I would reach out to... Internship agencies, I worked for one actually in the beginning and you pay something. It's an investment you do. Uh, you cannot expect to make a lot of money as a young person in China. Most likely you will spend more than you earn. Maybe you still have to cover your expenses with some student loan that you have back home or your parents have to support you or you or you have to eat up your savings. So going to China is an investment But I think it's worth it. So get a job or an internship. It pays a little. You can cover maybe your rent or something like that. But the valuable thing is the network that you will create in China, the people you will meet in China. I think it will also look great in your CV. And, of course, if you have language skills already, you can improve them. But don't expect anything financially.
0: And Francis... How do you arrange your current uh, job as a sales director and your hobby as a podcast host? And does your job get any benefit at all from your podcast activity?
2: I've been working in business development uh, since 2007. So that's uh, 13 years, long time. In all this time, I've been working as a doer, you know, I get things done. So I had mentors and bosses and leaders and whatever so they told me what to do and I got it done and uh, within my career I learned to plan so I learned to plan what to do in order to do it myself or to get other people in my team to do it and now I'm training planners so I'm training people to plan and I try to dream that's a fantastic kind of job try to dream together with my boss. I'm working for a Chinese family-owned uh, company, and the second generation of the family is running the company I work for. So this guy is uh, Chinese, obviously. He speaks very good English, and he has built this company in the last 20 years. And he's a dreamer, and I like to work for dreamers. The problem is that he doesn't have any planners in the company so as i've been work learning how to develop from doing to planning i'm building these planning guys now and this is something that i really enjoy and that also helps me to dream outside of this job more and more and more so the more i dream about the future of flexpats in china and of work in china and of international cooperation and so on the more it actually helps me to improve building these planners to actually plan how to do their job. And I'm dreaming of making this company international, of taking a Chinese family-owned company with typical Chinese standards and making it very international to work with large automotive EV drive companies. And if they work with typical Chinese companies, they really have a big problem because of communication, of uh, leadership styles, and there's lots of problems, there's lots to do. The thing is, the more I do myself, the less sustainable it is. So I need to get my team to plan and to do it by themselves. And the best would be if I don't do anything, which is difficult, of course. But if I get that done and let my guys plan and do, I can be much more sustainable. And this makes my life very nice at the moment. So it sounds like the perfect job, and it is, it really is. And uh, sometimes I tell my boss that he doesn't need me anymore because the planners are finished. You know, they can take over now. And that's what I want to do all my life. I want to dream and build planners and doers. And this is how the podcast comes in because I get so much new inspirations from other people, from guests that tell me something. At the same time, I'm still a sales guy. So I'm trying to make a good impression on my friends and my customers when I meet them for the first time. And what's better than to tell them that I'm a podcaster about Flexpads in China? You know, I can tell them about their career in China, lots of my contacts are expats in China working for international automotive players. So it's a great way to, to, to interact. So there's lots of overlays, and I'm sure that some people would say, look, I waste my time podcasting when I should be selling. But I would say, if my guys are selling, I hope that they are staying in this company much longer than I am, so that's much more sustainable. So I don't try to control, I try to empower my guys. So I have more time to dream and the podcast is just one of my dreams.
0: I love the way you put it, uh, Francis. I like the idea of doing and dreaming. So they have, there must be dreamers, but there also must be doers because, yeah, you can dream as much as you want, but then if you're not going to do what you're dreaming, then it, it stays a dream, right? So it's really important to you know get practical but at the same time to look at the future in a dreamy way. I love that. But let's talk about something bad for now. So I would like to know from one of you, some catastrophic or really bad or something difficult that happened while creating, while working on, on your podcast?
2: Well, yeah, I'd like to take that question because Patrick, uh, he put it very, very nicely in the beginning, but actually I have to say that I would never have got this podcast done without Patrick. So I started the, I had this idea and I was talking with a couple of people. Some of them came onto the show later and then I thought, okay, how to build this, you know, how to build a podcast, how to get it on the server and how to make the recordings and so on. So somehow Patrick got like everything done. Okay. So I was dreaming and he got everything done. And then, you know, even the guests, they had good recordings. So they somehow figured out how to get their sound properly, you know, so they would come on the show for the first time. You know, they were recording a podcast before they had ever listened to a podcast before. So total, not digital nomads, like total non-digital people. And I was the guy with the worst tone quality. I mean, that's like absolutely amazing that people come here just record one episode and their sound quality is better than the podcaster itself. It's, I just, I'm not the guy to, for any technology topics, I'm a dreamer, you know, that's all I can do. So I'm really glad that we still have so good feedback. And I can only explain this because the guests really support so much.
0: So thank God there's Patrick. And guys, before we go, I would like to tell us a bit more about your current roles. What are you doing at the moment? And why should people connect with you after listening to this
1: episode? At the moment, I work in Germany and I work at a sensor company. We are producing sensors and we are selling them worldwide, meaning sensors... For the automation industry as probably most of your listeners also know the world is automating everything is produced by machines and these machines need hundreds of sensors it's the eyes and ears of the machines so to say and i am responsible for our sales teams in asia in the asia pacific region so i help them to sell better to become better salespeople, but also to be more independent And also to align our headquarters vision for our sales teams, align this vision with local requirements of our subsidiaries in Asian countries. It's very tricky because cultures are very different. Communication styles are very different. But in the job, I've made a lot of experiences, good and bad ones, that I can share with people. So that's why people should connect with me on LinkedIn I'm always responding very quickly, answering any questions, because only if we respond to these questions, we can create trust, we can build a community. And also, that's what the China FlexPad community is built on. We have created a community of the guests so far, more will be joining, and we help each other. Because we are not many in China, right? Considering the international business community, your audience is much bigger. So, in the China Flexpad community, we have to stick together, and that's what we do.
2: Yeah, that's great, Patrick. So, I totally support that. I was also quite surprised by the many guests that uh, came into the group and were so active, and now people, you know, welcome each other, and sometimes new guests know the old guests, and it's really, really cool. So, I am working as a sales director in a Chinese automation company, like I explained before. Uh, What I do is my company, we build motors uh, for the EV drive. So it's a very hot topic. So we could potentially build the machine to build the motor for the Tesla in China or for Neo. We didn't get the deal, you know, Tesla is buying the machines from Germany and Japan. They don't trust the Chinese uh, companies. But, you know, we could potentially. And if we did, we could use the sensors for the machine that Patrick is selling. So... still working on that and uh, that is what i do and i really like this industry and on my linkedin you will see that i i also invite people to connect with me for ev electric drive for automation and for china so i also regularly share content about china learning chinese living in china also ev anything that's happening in this market so i'm happy to share regarding learning chinese i can also highlight Patrick, great guy to learn from because he's always pushing this content out, how he learns uh, to speak and write, even Chinese is absolutely amazing. He's happy to share. So I think we are two great guys to learn from.
0: Yes, I would like to wrap this up by saying to the audience, if you want to learn Chinese, you're going to get Excel files from Francis and PDFs and PowerPoints from Patrick. Right. (laughs) So Patrick Francis, I want to thank you for your insights. Thank you for joining us on the
1: International Business Podcast. Leo, thank you very much for the time. Thank you, Leo. Thank you for having us.
0: Subscribe today to listen to more international business stories, guests coming on the show every Monday. Do not forget to connect with me on LinkedIn. You can find the link in the show notes. I'll speak with you again on the next episode.